Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to Hail Yes, a Detroit Free Press podcast about University of Michigan athletics. I'm Tony Garcia, Michigan football and basketball writer for The Free, joined as always by my colleague, our Big Ten insider, Reiner Sabin. Uh, a bit further away than usual, Reiner, you were going for that uh, that L.A. sun. Uh, I couldn't get enough of it, but I, I think you missed. Is, is that what happened? Yeah, it's uh, like a monsoon outside right now. And uh uh, around LAX airport and uh, you know so I'm not going to get any good weather it's, it actually kind of looks like Michigan right, <laughs> right now. except for the palm actually, trees outside except for the palm trees outside yeah. funny enough I've seen I'm looking outside at the sun there's still some cloud but this is the first time I've seen the sun in this state in like a couple weeks it's Seriously, wild that's, yeah that's, <laughs> that, that just annoys me to I'll get up yeah. since I was like longing for the sun when I when I left Michigan and and this is what I'm faced with here. Sure. <laughs> I landed and the sun was down. It was like literally right after the sunset. Uh, <laughs> still, still just yet to see it. I'm not, not going to see the sun by the time I leave. Yeah, so, yeah, jet. That's awesome. That's funny. Can't get enough sun. Can't get enough Jim Harbaugh. That is why Reiner has flown uh, cross country again. Uh, we'll get into that later. Uh, that is, believe it or not, Jim Harbaugh is actually the tertiary uh, item on our agenda. We'll, we'll kind of work him in earlier than third in the order, but I would put him third in the pecking order in terms of all the things that need to be discussed today because uh, Sharon Moore, of course, introduces the 21st Michigan football head coach. We're going to dive all into that. Uh, priorities, uh, expectations a little bit, but really just sort of what's going on right now. And then speaking of what's going on right now after the break, got to talk hoops. Uh, it's gone from bad to worse. Uh, we've wanted to get to it for a long time, and unfortunately, it's it's when everything has has sort of uh, re- reached what what people hope is rock bottom, right? But it seems uh, that we've said that a few times this year, and yet the team uh, just keeps kind of finding a shovel. So uh, we'll, we'll dissect where where that is as well. But of course, Reiner, uh, as we teased, uh, Sharon Moore, head coach, uh, <laughs> that feels like for from us kind of like a month ago, right? But it was actually only four days ago, five days ago, he was introduced. It is Thursday, uh, just before noon as we're recording this. Let's get into it, Reiner. Uh, it's so, sort of the same, sort of different. Is that a bad lead, but 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 the general idea? I think so, a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think, uh, obviously, Sherrod Mora created the, the kind of buzz that Jim Harbaugh does. But, I mean, I think he wants to maintain the continuity uh, of the program, of the systems in place, uh, the culture, everything. I think that was the uh, thrust behind his hiring. And so uh, I think that was the message that he wanted to get across in his opening press conference. Uh, and I think he effectively did that. Uh, the question is whether he can continue to maintain this, uh, knowing that there's a possible staff movement uh, obviously, the roster attrition that he's going to experience and the tougher Big Ten, tougher schedule in 2024. A lot of things working against them, forces that are kind of possibly going to try to pull him down. And uh, But yeah, he, I think, you know, in general, they, they're trying to maintain what they built at Michigan over these last three years. Yeah, that gravity that, that Jim Harbaugh talked about, right? I, th- I think right. You, I know you. I know you wrote about that as well. Um, but I think I think Sharon Moore did a pretty good job, just per- personally, um, in, in striking 
that balance of like we like we need to sort of stick to all a lot of the things that have worked for us like he even invoked like an enthusiasm unknown to mankind like the jim harbaugh jack harbaugh thing like he still wants that and he said it right he's like what i'm looking for the people who are going to round out my staff you have to have that enthusiasm that vigor if like if i can't feel that then this is not going to work here but also he said he said uh they he when he and ward met for about two and a half hours that one of the things that Ward liked, and Ward told us this as well, is that Sharon knows that he can't be Jim. He's not going to try to be Jim. And Ward didn't want him to try to be Jim. I mean, now he hopes he's as successful as Jim ended up being. But that does not mean try to do everything he did, right? Like, don't give me the answer that he would have given. I want to hear your answer to to these questions. And uh, and and it sounds like that's that, that's exactly what he did in order to land this. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's a huge job for again a 37 year old uh, first time head coach, and so that he's got a lot of things to to deal with at Michigan, um, particularly the idiosyncrasies and self imposed restrictions that Michigan has, including the transfer portal issues, the ability for coursework to transfer from uh, other universities to, into Michigan, which uh, you know, impedes their ability to. Uh, get a bunch of high-end talent. And then you have some of the NIL issues. I mean, Michigan seems somewhat reluctant to go all in on NIL uh, to the level that you see that Ohio State is uh, right now. I mean, look at what they've acquired in this offseason with Judkins and uh, Sayin and Caleb Downs and and such. I mean, Michigan has Josh Preeb and uh, Jay Sean Barham, you know, two guys. That's it. I mean, and so it's a it's not been uh, a huge uh, wave of acquisitions, not anywhere close to what it was the previous cycle. And well, but I don't, I don't know who. Sorry to cut you off, Reiner, but just quickly, yeah. who who was who was like sort of the home run transfer guy of this of this portal? I don't know that there was a big name. It was a lot of sort of just I mean, really they, good well, guy. Good. Well, I think no, it's just a different started. strategy. Right. No, I mean, but they can't acquire at the same level. I mean, I've talked to oh, no people, You're right. people who worked inside the program who said that they think it's going to be even worse going forward because what's going to happen is that the transfer portal, the acquisitions that Michigan has typically got were grad students. Well, a lot of guys won't even be grad student level because they will have transferred so many times that they will have fallen behind academically. So they'll never actually graduate. So then Michigan doesn't even get those guys. So that that's a problem that's going to potentially rear its ugly head for Michigan going forward. So there's a lot of you things know. that Sharon, you know, uh, more has to deal with that Jim Harbaugh didn't really have to deal with because again, with the it was supposed to be a one-time transfer rule when it, it initially got. Now it seems like because of uh, the legal wranglings that are going on that it could be you you could transfer after every year which again would hurt Michigan because they might not ever get to that grad student level right well it i mean that's all very plausible but but still remains to be seen and and i think one positive to it for for Michigan and and, and on both sides of it if you're Ward and if you're Michigan it seems both sides know what they're getting into right like war like yes right. it will be a little more difficult for ward he's been here done that right he's not coming from georgia like where he has georgia ohio state bama no i mean i mean just all these expectations no like no safety rails no guardrails uh just 
I mean, just full throttle, right? Uh, from everything in every direction. Uh, he's he's been he's been having to do this, and he has been Michigan's lead recruiter on the offensive side of the ball for a couple of years now. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think he and he and Clank uh, are re- are really sort of uh, Michigan's two aces that that, that they have, and so uh, and so so he know now he can build this in like. He was sort of continuing, like he was the O-line, which was the heartbeat of the Harbaugh thing, right? But now this is all his. This is all his program. And so he can, I mean, maybe he is able to land a few better, a few a few higher-end guys in ways that Jim couldn't. Or maybe he switches the strategy a little bit. And also, who's coming on to, to sort of round out the staff? Because, they're, I mean, I guess perhaps, I don't know if, if there's anything else you want to to, to get into before we talk about staff, because I mean, that's, he said, he said, that's, that's priority number one for him. Yeah. And I, you know, I can think again, going back to your point, uh, War Manuel said that one of the bonuses, I guess, in hiring Jerome Moore was that he understands us. And so, uh, you know, they, they didn't want to go down the same road as they did when they brought in Rich Rod- Rodriguez, who was a fish out of water, who tried to kind of, you know, change some of the stuff that, typically or go against maybe some of the stuff that was at uh, at Michigan at that time. And so uh, this is a person who is very familiar with how things work on campus and some of the uh, logistical issues that he has to deal with uh, uh, w- within the program and navigating uh, how to handle that stuff. Right. And, but, but that goes, and that goes both ways as well. Right. And uh, in, in a good sense for Sharon Moore, I think he, moving into this, has a sort of unilateral support. Now, this does not mean he can go three and nine and it's all going to be chill. But um, he seems to be, I mean, players, coaches, board, AD's office, like, like uh, I mean, really, pre- president, pretty top down. He seemed to be the guy. And like there is some, some, some pretty good unanimous support behind him. Uh, in, in ways that Rich Rod certainly did not have. And uh, and even Brady Hope, to a certain extent. Now, that was a little better because you were getting back to the Michigan man thing. But this is, I mean, I think maybe they hope sort of the best of both worlds, right? It's the it's someone who feels like a Michigan man, right? Like he talked about how it's home, how this is where his daughters are born. Um, and, and how Dave, like this is, I mean, this is where he wants to be and all these things. But he's not just, like, it's it's not like they just, stuck to the old hard and and fast way. Yeah, no, it, it, it's interesting, but I also I thought the the press conference was so odd on Saturday. I mean, like there was like not many people from the board of regents there. I don't remember seeing Santa Ono there. Uh it was it was bizarre. I mean, the fact that it was it seemed like it was just kind of thrown together at the last minute. All the Detroit Media was in uh, San Francisco. It was in San Francisco, yeah. For for the line, I mean, I thought it was a very kind of mundane uh, sort of press conference in a lot of ways, and subdued. Not anywhere close to what it was for Jim Harbaugh when he got here in in December of 2014. Well, I don't know that that's. I I, th- I think you're totally right. I don't know that that's all bad, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, when you are the national champion, everyone's going to be gunning for you maybe just why not just just take a step back and have some questions right because i mean 
Throne Wars talking about how they're going to have to strain every day. And like, if you thought it was hard, I mean, you, you hear it from all the levels. If you think it's hard to get to the top, only thing harder than getting to the top is staying at the top. Right. And, and, and you got all those things. And so maybe, I mean, maybe it, you got a manufacturer chip on your shoulder. You're the national champion. No one, like last year, no one doubted you. There's no, and, and so, well, so this well, year. Well, people did that. I mean, well, I mean. Well, I, mean, well, I, I guess they, they doubt yeah. for, for yeah, that I mean, little, for the, for the era, for in, in that way. But like, what I mean is they were never lower than two in any poll, right? Like, like you always love when people are like, right. oh, they said we couldn't win. Like, actually, I think you were favored in 14 of 15 games. Like, I think yeah. everybody said you were going to win all the time. Uh, <laughs> so, so, uh, so just, just from that sense, uh, I mean, I, I don't see any problem with it. And I mean, you, you mentioned the, the the gravity that's going to pull down on them, the new look Big Ten, the schedule. Uh, but before that, uh, he, he needs a, a staff to round it out. And while these hires have not been a, official, official on the Charger side, they are both official. Uh, Jesse Minter, the defensive coordinator, is gone. And Ben Herbert, the head strength and conditioning coach, who has long been referred to as the X Factor, uh, he, he, he seems he not seems to be gone. He's gone as well. Uh, Tress has replaced him. A uh, bigger loss, uh, Reiner. Is it Herbert? Is it Minter? I guess it doesn't matter. Um, and, and and where to go from there? What what do what do those sort of look like? Because those are, I mean, the defense and strength that is and Harbaugh that it that is everything that this program has been the last three years. Yeah, I think they're equally, uh, you know, rough losses for Michigan because Herbert kind of set the tone with the program, the culture uh, that they tried to establish. I mean. Uh, especially his ability to kind of get the players to buy into the idea that to handle adversity and uh, his methods and methodology was geared to that. I think his impact was more psychological in some ways than even physical uh, for them. So trying to get that hardened mindset to be able to handle everything that kind of comes their way. And then Minter, I think, obviously, just knowing that defense in and out and being able to make the right calls at the right times, uh, knowing when to uh, send you know pressure, when to throw out simulated pressures, uh, you know, be able to kind of uh, decide when to run man versus zone and just n- make the right reads on on uh, and, and structure a game plan. I think uh, it's going to be a big loss there. So I, I don't know which one's the bigger one, but I think both are pretty significant. Yeah. And that, I guess that's, that's sort of why I asked, right? I guess it, it does not matter, right? If, if you're losing, it doesn't matter who's one and who's two or one a and one B because they're both, unfortunately, if you're, if you're Michigan gone, um, you're totally right. And then what I would say, as far as, um, answering my own question, I mean, I don't, I don't know if there is, if there is a worse, but, you made a really good point uh, as we were putting the show together uh, j- just ahead of time when you when you're talking about like replacing the defensive coordinator. Uh, Mike McDonald is now in Seattle, so he is going to want someone who runs his system. Uh, and John Harbaugh in Baltimore is now out of a defensive coordinator, so he will want someone who can run his system. So now, are you maybe ideally you are trying to keep that same sort of uh foundation in place this uh this amoeba defense this four down five down this base this nickel that you can move in and out um are you third in the pecking order uh for for people who are qualified and and looking to sort of run that type of system right now it remains to be seen and and another point we were were talking about 
I mean, there's not just like Jesse Minters and Mike McDonald's that grow on trees, right? Like these are super elite high level guys. Mike McDonald is the youngest head coach in the NFL. He's 36. He's younger than Sharon Moore. Um, And so it's just, it's, it's, it's a big ask. It's, it's a big fill. Yeah. I mean, and I, where where do they go? Who do you have? Do you have a, a, a front runner? I don't, I I don't. And I don't know whether they can pull somebody from the NFL. I mean, again, there's a lot of talk obviously about how, uh, interested NFL guys are to go down to the college level, g- given how chaotic the situation is uh, with recruiting and such, and uh, having to deal with that twenty four seven roster retention and, and such. And people are not as interested in that as, uh, especially at the NFL level, where they just want to call, you know, call plays and coach football and not have to deal with all this other stuff. It's more a head coach thing, like where it's like you're kind of like like planting roots right if you're going to be a coordinator in college you know that you're only going for like three four five year stint like maybe you can just like sort of gut gut through it or what's your but i mean well but i mean your subject i mean again it's about the jimmies and joes and not the x's and o's and if you don't have the players i mean you know your success could be affected by that and your career trajectory could be affected by that so <laughs> yeah, you're not just guaranteed yeah right exactly i mean like uh uh, it, it's uh, and unless you have a just a sure bet, like to be able to be loaned out for a year, like Mike McDonald was, and have a a landing spot on your way back to the NFL, which is what he wanted. He didn't like recruiting. Mike McDonald, Mike McDonald did not like recruiting, and so I mean, he was always destined to go back to the NFL. And there's a lot of NFL guys that are like that. They don't want to spend you know twenty four seven talking to eighteen year olds or or some college kid or some you know, handler uh, about uh, what this kid would possibly need. And so it's a, yeah, it's, it, it's a problem for Michigan going forward if they want to uh, maintain some kind of pipeline to the NFL. Now, I mean, whether Harbaugh, uh, you know, Jim, I'm speaking, uh, uh, opens up one with the Chargers remains to be seen. I mean, and that would be potentially a boon for, for Michigan if he can convince somebody on his staff to go move from LA to Ann Arbor, but that's a harder sell than moving from Baltimore to Ann Arbor. It is. Um, but, but again, we were like, like we were talking about, if you go positional, like if you, if you bet on yourself, positional coach in the NFL, DC, then DC, uh, like DC in, in, sure. in college then. So, so we, we, we know what the, what the path has looked like. It's just, uh, how, how, how much more they're going to do it. And then I guess uh, as far, as far as the offensive staff, right. Uh, I asked Sharon Moore if he was going to be calling plays. Uh, he said he doesn't think so. Um, and, quote, he has a pretty good idea of who that will be. My guess is that means Kirk Campbell will be named OC. I don't know if that is what that means. Uh, could it be Mike Hart? Uh, Mike Hart, Ron Bellamy, both had expiring contracts uh, this year. So um, there, there, there's just some shuffling to be done. However, I, I did not. I saw Ron Bellamy. Uh, after the press conference, I'm not saying Mike Hart was not there, but I did not see him. Did you? I did not see Mike Hart. Yeah, I saw I, okay. Ron Bellamy. Ron Bellamy okay. hard thrown, and uh, you know, I saw that. And then yeah, um, they give a big tap. Yeah, yeah, big tap hug. And so <laughs> I think. Uh, um, and I saw. And I saw. I, I ran it, into it, um, Ron. Ran it, 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 what was it? Oh, right. Yes, right. And, and he's been. 
I mean, he's been rumored to per- perhaps go from tight ends coach to O-line coach, but that's not official either. However, it's the it's the jump Sharon made and, and very common. So I I, th- I think that would be expected. Um, sure. but, but I would have expected it by now, actually, just because they said they said they want they want I mean, they want to keep everything together and move quickly. Uh, they're already I mean, but just by the nature of winning and playing so long, they were already behind the eight ball in, in all cycles. Yeah. And it could be, uh, you know, trying to get the finer details ironed out with the contracts and such. And so you've got to figure out some of that stuff, but yeah, it, it's, it, it's not easy. Any, any of these coaching transitions is not easy. I mean, it's, it, it's a lot of, um, uh, hitting the ground running. I mean, look at what Jonathan Smith had to do at Michigan state. I mean, he, you know, it was not a great time for him to, to come in as head coach there, uh, especially with early, uh, the transfer portal opening up eight days after he, he landed in East Lansing. And then three weeks later you have early signing period. So none of these coaching transitions are ever easy, but, uh, you, you prefer to probably have it on the earlier end than on the later end because your options get reduced. Uh, as the coaching cycle kind of goes to uh, its final whirl, Michigan State's been on that on that late end of that cycle, right? Like the, the last time when yeah, D'Antonio left in February, even later, it was February. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So and they, and, their staff hires were affected by that. I think you know, I mean, a lot of a lot of staff hires that a lot of people at Michigan State or fans did not like <laughs> as the time went on, and so right. Uh, right. You, you don't want to get in that position where you're but they, last to the party. Right. Right. But they're not, they, you are pulling in different levels of talent, right? Like you're, they, there's a different selling point. Michigan State, and, Michigan State in, in 2020 well, or whatever. And, was, and the biggest difference is, is that they're not bringing in an entirely new coach, you know? So, I mean, they could keep right. some of the yeah. people here and just promote them. It's, oh, uh, it's yeah, but yeah, it's, it's still, you know, there, there's some, issues that they have to deal with that um, uh, make it somewhat unpleasant. But again, that's every coach transition. Yeah. If, if you're transitioning coaches, I mean, frankly, Michigan is in the middle of what is quite possibly the most seamless transition you could have, right? They had the best season they've ever had and are promoting someone from within. So, so that's, that's where that's at. Is there anything left to touch on football wise before we get to to basketball? Oh, I guess I, I w- wanted to also mention uh, Abigail O'Connor, uh, Michigan sort of keeping her. Like we, we we sort of glossed over just Justin Tress uh, being promoted as as the director of strength and conditioning and and retaining Abigail O'Connor uh, uh, with uh, as the director of performance nutrition. Uh, they, they, I mean, it, this is not just Ben Herbert, right? They were both here and you heard a lot of people say a lot of good things about both of them. And as we're talking about just maintaining what has, what has been, and I mean, it's like a coaching tree, right? It's a strength and conditioning tree. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I think that's good that they're, you know, keeping some of the guys that are, you know, worked around Ben Herbert. So he's familiar with that. So, uh, but yeah, the, uh, in, in general, though, I think, uh, you know, the loss of Herbert is pretty significant just based on some of the different uh, quirky things that he did uh, to get the players ready. I mean, again, randomly calling players in for workouts uh, when they didn't know just to kind of 
basically prepare them for any possibility, you know, giving them you know, unique exercises to do. I mean, obviously, I think Justin Tress will probably be, you know, followed that stuff. We'll try to, uh, you know, a, you know, imitate that kind of uh, behavior and methods and such and and carry that forward. But it's still, you know, obviously probably better to have the originator than, you know, somebody who's kind of following in line. Right, right. You know, frequently we heard about um, just him stressing the importance of the details, right? The shoes all lined up in the same yeah. way. Every day you come in, the water bottles in the same place and just little details. Sure. But perhaps making the difference uh, to, to what was the season uh, they just had. We got we got to take a break. We got to pay some bills. And uh, on the other side, uh, talk about a program that, that did not uh, enjoy, is not enjoying quite as much success. Uh, it's Michigan Hoops. We'll be right back. This is Hell Yes. All right, and we are back. Uh, I meant to say at the beginning of this episode, Reiner, happy February. Uh, I'm a big fan of February, not just because it's my birthday month. I, I am not a birthday month person. Let me, let me make that clear. Yeah, there's no birthday month. There's no birthday week. It's a birthday. I mean, like, of course, you can celebrate not on the day. Like, could that be when your social calendar lines up? But it's just like, like, I'm not about to like go like post like, you know, like what like your sign and the whole thing and all the and all of that yeah. stuff. But but I just think February gets a bad rap. Um, and it's, it's objectively not as bad as January. Andrew, come in here. What's up? Andrew? First of all, a lot of backpedaling here after the. I feel like you may be a birthday month guy after all that backpedaling from you there. Yeah. No, I, um, I needed. I needed to make it clear. It's I'm not, the calendar I'm not. turns of February, and Tony's tweeting out birthday month. <laughs> <laughs> not a chance. We have people uh, we used to work with like that. Yes, we do. But February is objectively the worst month. There's one football game, no big stakes basketball, no big stakes hockey. All the sports are like an in between time. Like you, the only good thing we have is like some some pretty good conference basketball games, and the weather is by far the worst. And you're the most sick of it because you've already gone through November, December, and January. Michigan okay. February is the worst month, and my fiance is born in February, and I still tell her this. So okay, well, I stick with right. it. Well, okay, well I'm gonna get Jordan in here, and we will we'll get <laughs> we'll we'll put you in your place. But before we get to to, to what's actually the case. It's not because it is not as cold as January, right? So January is on average three to five degrees colder and it is darker. It is much darker. And this year, this year, yes, it's a leap year. So there's 29 days. Normally it is 31 versus 28 days. It is 10% shorter. So <laughs> there's less of it. It's not as dark. It's not as cold. And you're like, oh, there's one sports game. It's it's kind of a big sports game, right? I think it's the most watched game in the world. So, in yeah. Michigan, February's weather sucks. It's it's wet. It's like melted snow. It's gray every single day. I don't know. I just think you have one game, even at a, like AFC NFC Championship game, you have two games that day at least. Super Bowl is one game after a two week wait. Like I understand it's it's a big deal, but maybe I'd be slightly more excited if the Lions were playing i'm sure you guys would be because you'd be going to the game <laughs> yeah it's it's a tough sell i'm not trying to i'm not trying to say that february is september or may or even even any of the summer months i'm just i'm just going for 11 out of 12 that's just we're, we're trying to leave the basement reiner what's your february opinion 
I'm not a I'm not a fan of February, but you know, I'm much more of a summer guy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Right. Oh, me too. I mean, it's it's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. All right. But I bet that Michigan basketball is looking forward to February more than January because Michigan basketball, uh, and that's what we're actually here to talk about now, one and seven uh, in January. Actually, no laughing matter. It's it's really it's really brutal. It's 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 gotten pretty bad uh, around, around that program. So Michigan football won two games in January. Uh, and Michigan basketball won one game in January. I think I might have just said February. So one and seven in January uh, for Michigan hoops. Uh, nine losses in their past 10, 13 in their past 17. Uh, Michigan is now seven and 14 overall, two and eight in the Big Ten uh, after Tuesday night's loss in East Lansing, 81 62. Uh, I mean, I don't know how much we, we don't need to get into that one specifically too much, other than the fact that it was a microcosm of every game that has been all season. Uh, Get out to somewhere between an eight and 10 point lead in the first half. uh, Give up a run in the second half, late first, somewhere in the early second, play no defense, uh, and then either lose. Early, they were losing close, and now they're just getting blown out. Uh, Four consecutive double-digit losses uh, by an average of 18 points. Yeah, I mean, yes, they're playing some tough teams, right? Illinois is a good team. At Purdue is not easy. At Michigan State is not easy. Uh, but they are giving up 89 points per game in that stretch. Here is, um, I, I mean, can't, I, I, I'm sorry, Ryan. I'm, I'm just going and going, but just I've, I've been waiting to talk about the hoops for, for a little while now. It's just they are number 330 out of 362 Division One teams in America in points per possession. There are only two Power Five teams who are within 100 spots of that. As in, not more than at least 100 spots back. I mean, points per possession allowed, right? Points per possession allowed. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. Yes. I mean, it's just like, like it's it's not like sometimes like like Iowa, a terrible defense, but they play with pace. You know, they're good, like doing it like they're intentionally playing with pace. Michigan's not just giving up points because it plays with pace. They give up more points per possession than any other team of their level, and it is not even close. Yeah, it's it's their Achilles heel. It's really surprising considering Juwan Howard, uh, you know, was an assistant coach under Pat Riley. Pat Riley was known for playing really tough defense, not allowing anybody to get to the rim, especially when he was coaching the Knicks and those early Heat teams uh, were extremely physical. And uh, you would think that that philosophy would have kind of, you know, you know, carried over to Juwan Howard and kind of been a big part of who he was and what he wanted to be. And, uh, you know, Michigan, it does not do a lot of things well on the defensive end at, at all. I mean, they don't, um, anything, you know, yeah, they don't rotate well. They don't, uh, you know, close out on the shooters. They don't, uh, they don't seem to provide much help defense. I mean, it's, it's, you know, there are a lot of blow buys to the rim. I mean, where they just go, uh, unimpeded and so it's like uh yeah it, it's it's all bad and it's not a winning for Juwan had to Juwan had to say it in East Lansing he's like it's he's like you know it's okay to get dunked on right it's basketball like mm-hmm. like it's it, like what he's saying like like it, people are more concerned about being on the wrong end of a poster than putting their body on the line and just and just trying to lay someone and like he like he's not talking about things he didn't do in his defense like I, he was like I mean, he wasn't some above-the-rim guy, but he was not afraid to mix it up, right? Chris Weber, not afraid to mix it up. And 
it's just it's it, it's just really really so problematic and i think what might be w- the worst part of this right I, and i guess i should have phrased the question at the beginning it's it, it's about time to ask and it's almost time to ask and i know fans have long asked this but believe me it's a lot easier to ask it from from there then when you actually are like Ward and we'll talk about how we talked with Ward about it and, and you have to pull the plug or, or someone else, but it's, it's has, has Juwan lost the program because uh, it's not just this year. Uh, they missed the tournament last year. This, this will be, unless they become the first big 10 team <laughs> to win Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, in the big 10 tournament. And I assure you that's not happening. They're going to miss the tournament uh, in consecutive years for the first time. Since a 10-year drought from 98 to 2008, like pretty much the darkest days of, of Michigan basketball. And I'm now I'm not I'm not, and I don't know if anyone is saying that they're about to go 10 years in a row. However, when you're looking at the trajectory, this is this year is not just an isolated incident. They are 44 and 45 since the start of the 21-22 season. Uh or, or yes, 21-22 season took the lot the past the past three seasons. It's just I don't know. Where are you at with it, Reiner? Yeah, I mean, obviously they've uh, fallen off. Uh, uh, I mean, do you think outside of... To say the least. I don't even know know if Doug McDaniel... I mean, I don't know where he stands on the NBA, but, you know, they they were having NBA-level talents... you know, at the at the very beginning, there were there were guys that Juwan Howard inherited, and then there were guys that he recruited and brought in and developed. Uh, but it doesn't seem like there's those types of players left on uh, Michigan's roster right now, and so well, not uh, not currently, but but even last year when they missed the, it wasn't the problem is it's not just a talent standpoint. I mean, I would argue, I would argue that I mean last year you have Kobe Buffkin and Jet Howard who are both lottery picks. Yeah, but they were going to the NIT. I mean, they were they were on the they had a shot at the NCAA tournament last year. They don't have a shot. Oh, but that's that's because that's what I would say. That's because, in my estimation, they underachieved. Like talent this year might be for the first time a question, and I would argue that they have six or seven guys who are legitimate D one players. Michigan is they're in in I feel they're under they're underachieving. That's what you should. But but they don't have the NBA talent. You're right. The talent right now is not, but but John Beeline did not always have like superstar. T- it was it was it was a developmental it was a developmental program. Uh, even even in Jawan's best year, right? Like it was mixing and matching and bringing. Shondi Brown is not an NBA player. Mike Smith was not an NBA player. Those were just. I mean, I mean, John Teske's not an NBA player. Right? I mean, like Isaiah Livers was, but. It was and Mo and, and and Franz Wagner was, but it it was some mixing and matching. Sorry, but go, yeah, go yeah, ahead, no, go ahead. No, I mean, and but exactly, but over time, like he he hasn't done a great job with the recruiting, and then maybe the development isn't there, and uh, you know he he lost Hunter Dickinson. I mean, look, I mean the guy is <laughs> one of the best players in college basketball. I mean, you know that's going to have an effect too. So. Uh, with not being able to retain a guy like that. And you could say it was NIL or whatever, or he just wanted to go to a place where he can win a championship. And those are all valid reasons. But uh, that loss was, you know, huge. And it's funny that they, you know, a lot of the criticism about Hunter Dickinson was his defense. Uh, a lot of people are saying that he wasn't a great defender. <laughs> They're worse defensively now than they uh, than they were with him uh, on the floor. So, I mean, like, 
how bad was he? I mean, the guy was actually a really good rebounder. It's ironic. Yeah. 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 And I I even saw a tweet. I think this person, I don't know who it was or something online, whatever. Someone was being facetious. I I believe, (laughs) but it was almost, it almost made you stop and think someone was like, was Hunter Dickinson, what was keeping this together? (laughs) And it's just, Sure. I I, I, I I mean that's a preposterous thought. Do you remember yeah, I mean, the the discourse on Hunter Dickinson six months ago? Right. And, I mean, I mean, and, and he was the one keeping like like that's just I don't even I mean, want to open he that. Did that say Michigan on a couple occasions. I mean, again that that shot against Wisconsin or whatever. I mean, it was like of course. Oh, he's a tremendous player, but yeah, he was yeah. a, he was a headache. He was a headache. I mean, sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, and w- with the Barstool podcast and the. And the, oh, no, no. the, the oh, no. ski mask and the and and the whole thing. It was always it was always something, right? But you haven't heard you haven't heard any of that stuff since he got to Kansas, and so that might be another issue. I mean, like, I, why would I was going to say, yeah. yeah, yeah, you haven't heard of people other than other than eighteen and ten. Yeah, right. I, yeah. I, all I see is him just you know kicking butt on the basketball court and and uh, um, them them winning a lot of games over there. Right, <laughs> right, and and here's here's why I think this conversation is fair to, to it's at least a fair conversation to have about the direction and about the thoughts and what, what next, right? Because this is not just this year. So we got a, a chance uh, we, uh, four or five days ago, obviously when we were at Sharon's introduction, when we were talking with Ward for 40 minutes, I mean, that was the longest we've got to stand and talk with Ward in years. Uh, the longest I've ever got to do it. I've gotten a couple 10, 15, 20 minutes, maybe two, three times, but that was, full that was that was really we got to have some back and forth and we were asking him about Jawan, right and and the it felt like to me the comparison i mean he's not going to answer he's like look i he's like it's got to be super rare for me to fire someone in season right he fired of course the the coaches uh paul pascaloni <laughs> we just the, that's two paul pascaloni uh mentions today uh, that's got that's got to be some sort of record because we talked about him pre-show. Oh, yeah. uh, he fired him from UConn uh, after an 0-4 start in 2013. But he was like, it's got to be exceedingly it's exceedingly rare for me to do something in season. So nobody thought he was going to do something in season. But we're asking about the future and all these things. And he was saying, he's like, look, like you also have to remember that Juwan just had this heart surgery, right? He's like, I'd be callous as hell to not take that into account. And that it, and while we can all be like, oh, whatever, like that is true. I mean, this was a serious, serious heart surgery. The man was completely, he lived in the hospital for 15 days, did not leave the bed like for a couple of weeks, right? And then three weeks, months long recovery. So uh, all of that is actually fair game. Where I would push back or where I could see some disagreement about the greater concern is the issues did not start this year, right? This year is not last year where it's the first time you missed the tournament. And frankly, it's not the year before where Michigan, where, where, where the problems really started and Michigan had just scraped into the tournament uh, as that 11 seed. Uh, and, and a lot of people on on Selection Sunday thought Michigan was going to miss the tournament altogether, if not be a play-in team. I mean, I mean, a lot of people were surprised when they just had not had an outright spot. Uh, and then, of course, they uh, they, they beat uh, Colorado State and then Tennessee and the and. And, and, and run to the Sweet 16. And that is how you can salvage a season. And really, that's how you keep a program alive, right? Like, you don't apologize for Sweet 16s. However, if you do take a, a take that, that, that weekend away, it's been a pretty rough three years. And so this is not just what's happened since Juwan's had health concerns. 
No, I mean, and, and there's a lot of off the court stuff that's also contributed to that. And so, I mean, I think you can outline all of that stuff if you want to, um, you know, with, uh, whether it's Doug McDaniel being suspended, you know, um, yeah, the incident with Wisconsin a couple of years ago, um, with the assistant there. And then, uh, you know, Mark Turgeon the year before at the big 10 tournament, uh, where they got in a shouting match. I mean, then you had the John Sanderson, even uh, in his own program uh, this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, whatever, you know, again, really happened there and just the kind of the mystery and, uh, his, de- his departure, I guess, or, um, uh, not being as active within the program or what have you. It's been, it's been a lot of stuff, uh, not even, uh, isolated to the court itself. It's all the stuff that kind of is going on on the periphery as well. Right. Right. And then, I mean, taking it a step, I guess, sort of, the combination of the of, of the court and the periphery maybe would be recruiting, right? Like it's it's getting people and, and and putting all the things in place to get the right guys on the court and the the roster construction and all of that. Uh, that was seen. I, I mean, he, he had like the top class in the country, right? <laughs> Just a couple of years ago. Uh, and now uh, Michigan brought in one freshman, uh, George Washington. Uh, he I mean, he he, he was a. Great, good, very, very good high school ball player. Ohio Gatorade Player of the Year. Finished just, I mean, but did finish just outside the top 100 consensus. So he's not a game game changer immediate. Uh, but but Michigan needs some some project, right? like some four year guys who are going to be around. You can't just have all all the only like one and dones, right? Like that's not their style. Not that I, I don't know that it could be, even if they wanted it to be, but it's not. Um, even though. That is what has happened, right? Like that is like they have like Moose, like with K- like Caleb Houston and Moose Diabate and Jet Howard. Uh, like it did turn into a to, to some some quicker, faster turnover than they anticipated. Uh, even Kobe Bufkin leaving after, I mean, that acceleration was so fast. Uh, so they lost maybe one more year of Kobe Bufkin. They lost maybe one more year of Hunter Dickinson. And then Juwan Howard is hamstrung by. Uh, by by, like you talk about the football stuff being uh, like like Sharon being behind the eight ball in, in NIL and stuff. I mean, forget about it. Basketball mm. is fifty fold behind ba- football, and 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 when you talk about not just NIL but uh, what the the academic credits, I mean, you have two options: you get a graduate student or you get a freshman who is like, yeah, like I only had that one year. It's not that big a deal anyway. And 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 it's not so far in that he can restart. Right. It's <laughs> that's that's it. And so and, and and so so there so while it is easy to say like well there are a number of things that I think uh clearly has not gone as well as as the previous regime or even as often as it did early. There are there are limitations that that, that are in place right now. Oh sure, I mean absolutely, and uh, it's it's hard to see necessarily that uh, Juwan Howard knows what to do to kind of get the program back uh, in, in good shape. I mean, he's you know polling the audience of reporters for for solutions, uh, so and surveying them to try to find yeah. ways to to beat Michigan State or find out why they're allowing these teams to go on these huge runs um, in press conferences. And, you know, he may be doing it jokingly, but uh, again, it looks like a, a guy who's really searching for answers right now. Yeah, no, he was. 
it was funny. I tweeted, I was like, I tweeted, I was like, oh, like Juwan joined us in a good mood today. And then I just, I, I made him not happy like three minutes in. I was like, well, that's over. Um, but, uh, but then I, I, I feel like maybe this is a little bit talking out of both sides of my own mouth. I'll speak, I'll speak for myself, but I'm just trying to make sure I'm painting both sides of the picture because this is not just black and white. There is, it, there is some gray. And while I gave Joan not a full pass, but like, while I do recognize he is limited in the people he can bring in. Uh, if you think about the fact that Terrence Shannon, like how close they were to getting Terrence Shannon from Texas Tech, and then they couldn't, he goes to Illinois. And then they were going to get Caleb Love from UNC, and they couldn't, he goes to Arizona. Uh, or Nojel Eastern uh, before from Purdue. Or or even this year uh, from the high school ranks, Papa Conte, uh, who, who then is also not academically elig- eligible. At what point is it on you to do your homework to know that a guy's going to get you can't get that far down the line and have that many eggs in the basket and then like be caught with your hand in the cookie jar. Right. Like like, oh, well, whoops. Like and, like, where's the backup plan? Now what? How do you pivot? Um, and so. There has to, there just, there has to be more awareness, uh, and foresight, I guess, as well. Yeah, no, I mean you're right, and uh, you know I think that's again called managing the roster, managing the program, and so that's a, it's one of the uh, primary uh, responsibilities of a head coach. So uh, he's had a rough go of it as of late, and it's uncertain again if he's going to be able to right the ship anytime soon. And Michigan's basketball schedule was sort of somewhat seen as like easier on the front half and, and, and tougher on the back half. So it's not great. Um, a winnable, we've said that about a couple game uh, at home against Rutgers on Saturday, but then, uh, and, and then, and then Wisconsin, but that's obviously, I mean, at home, that's extremely tough. Uh, they're top 10 team. Then you go on the road to Nebraska on the road to Illinois got MSU at home. You go on the road to, to Northwestern. Uh, after that, uh, you got Purdue at home. Then you go to the rack, you go to Ohio state and you got Nebraska at home. Uh, I believe, uh, it is, uh, Bart Torvik, uh, just one of the, like Ken Palm, one, one, one of the basketball nerdy sites, uh, has them projected to win two more games the rest of the way. Uh, that would be four and 16 in the big 10. Uh, I believe nine and 21 overall, something like that. 922. Um, just really, really super brutal stuff. And, and I know it, it feels like maybe, I don't know if it feels like this. I hope it doesn't feel like we're piling on. Um, I think we're just trying to call a spade a spade. Um, there's no, it's not like it's no, we just covered a national champion. I assure you it's way more fun to do that than what I've had to do. Uh, and, and I mean, I don't just mean I like just because you've been wrapping up football stuff we have had to do right with, with, with the basketball stuff and uh, but there's I don't, I don't know what I don't know what's left to say I don't know what's left to to to, to write sometimes and and I just want to talk very quickly on on some some of the kids I I sent someone a message uh, in the program I'm hoping they can help me out and just I was like look like it's been it's been kind of a tough year and like we're we're a little distanced from this program as is. Is there any way you can help me get in contact with some people out? Like, like there are good things that have happened, right? Just no one can see them. No one is highlighting positive. Like these kids are 
these young men, these athletes are not miserable every second of every day. I assure you some of them are going like, we saw them at the hospital in, uh, last August. And I mean, like saw them just like light up when they're, when they're talking to kids. And I mean, I know they've gone on trips and different things and they're roommates and they're near young guys and they're making an impact in, in, in the, in, in the community too. And it's like, there needs to be more of that. Like we got, and so I'm just, I'm just trying to find something like, like Jalen Llewellyn is a perfect example. A lot of people aren't going to remember Jalen Llewellyn in, in, in the greater picture of things. And perhaps there is, a roster construction argument you could be made that Juwan Howard, by bringing him in, forced Frankie Collins out to to Arizona State, which was maybe questionable at the time and has only certainly not worked when Jalen, unfortunately, like went through the ACL and the concussion and all these things. But here he is. I mean, like he's sitting at home. He's playing on the road. He I mean, he's I, I mean, he has like a bionic leg. He's putting up 18 points at Michigan State like a third of the offense just grinding and like he's doing what he can and and, and Namari Burnett uh like really taking time to answer questions after their after uh the game against Iowa like I pulled him to the side after and I was like do you got like just asking like do you guys need to do like maybe like like, like have you guys tried team building or like just like dropping the basketball for like an hour or something like you know what I mean like anything literally anything and he's like yeah, like he's like, he's like, dude, like we have, he's like, things like we really get along. Like, I appreciate you asking. Like, these are genuine kids. These are good kids. It's super easy to be a Michigan fan and say, oh, John Beeline's teams were likable. This isn't a likable team. I promise you there's some likable kids on this team. Uh, talk to them. They're nice kids. Uh, it, it's, it's really brutal. It, it, it sucks. I don't know what else to say. So other than that, Things are pretty. Things are pretty good. Um, maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe there there will be some wins to come. Uh, Reiner, uh, I, I think we sort of we, we talked about Jim Harbaugh. There's NFL Combine in a month. Uh, we can put a ball on this. Uh, that was good. Um, I hope it stopped raining where you are. Um, That'll be it's, it's 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 decent. It's decent here. It's forty uh, and. 40 and gray, gray, sunny in Michigan. So, all right, for our, uh, for everybody as part of the free press, that is uh, our editor in chief, Nicole Avery Nichols, our executive editor, Anjanette Delgado, our sports editor, Kirkland Crawford, uh, our editor and uh, producer, Andrew Burkle, our audio engineer, Robin Chan, uh, Reiner, I'm Tony. God, I, I need to write those names down. It's a lot to remember off the dome, but we really do appreciate everyone. And, and that's all the people who sort of make it happen. And thank you all. I haven't said this in a while, but please rate, review, and subscribe. It actually does help us. I got to do a much better job of that. Uh, but we're getting this. We're, we're, we're keeping it rolling. So be safe, be well, be happy. Talk to you soon. <laughs>